everyone. I am Carla Jakubovic, hostess of the Swiss Learning Podcast, and thanks for listening. Swiss Learning represents 16 prestigious schools in Switzerland, and they're experts at finding the right fit for each student. This season, we will showcase our heads of schools to share their stories and insights with you. This morning, we're welcoming Stuart White, headmaster at Collège Alpin Beausoleil. Stuart, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Hello, everybody. Stuart, let's start in the beginning. Where were you born and raised? Tell us a little bit about how you grew up. Accents always a giveaway. The um, so, I, south of England, I was. Um, I, I went to boarding school, age eleven, and I guess it all started from there. I've never really looked back. So I, um, so I spent six years in boarding school in London, and then I got the bug. So I've been in boarding education ever since. Stuart, as a child, who was your hero and why? As a child, honestly, I have no idea, and I think children just bounce through all sorts of things. I think I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a paleontologist when I was very small, but I think that was just because I learned it as a word. Um, <laughs> so I liked I liked dinosaurs for a while, but I suppose by the time I started to think about it, I loved computers, and I, I was I was kind of lucky to be growing up in the very early days of personal computers. So um, I, Sir Clive Sinclair. There you go. There's a, there's a name from my past who who brought the first under hundred dollar computer to to the masses. Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak for the uh, who were building Apple, and I guess a little bit later Bill Gates. I love these guys who were just doing this this crazy stuff that was suddenly, well, did we know it was going to change the world then? I don't know, but it was fun. And it sure did change the world. Um, was there a meaningful teacher or mentor who impacted your life? Gosh. Um, it puts me in mind, probably, that there's a story attributed, I forget which football manager it was, um, maybe it was Tommy Doherty years ago in England, but uh, who was once asked about the offside rule in, in soccer, in football, and and it had all this stuff, it still has all this stuff about interfering with play if you're on the pitch and not interfering with play. And he just said at some point, if there's any of my players on the pitch and not interfering with play, I want to know about it. You know, I want to know what they're doing there. And I, I kind of think that for teachers, it's got to be, every teacher has got to be, has got to impact your life. I mean, it, it's it's surely crazy as a kid if you're going to school. And I think that's the exciting thing about schools is that literally every teacher impacts your life, even if you can't possibly understand what that impact is. It's actually why we have to be so careful all the time. But I guess if I picked out the kind of people who Works for me. My housemasters always, because you learn so much from just the casual conversations afterwards, way outside the classroom. Um, I was a scout. Uh, I was a scout, and then I was um, I was a cub scout. I was a scout. I was a venture scout. I was a scout leader for a while. And my 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 sort of main scout leader when I was there was a great guy, and I learned so much from him and just his enthusiastic his enthusiasm for life. He was also about you know six foot something tall with a huge ginger beard. So it was kind of memorable. Um, and, and then probably if I carry on after that, when I was at university, um, I, I studied engineering. And the way the teaching is arranged at, at Cambridge is a little bit different to other universities. And it's, it's all about small groups, tutorial sessions with it's a very meaningful relationship with the tutors. So I think the director of studies in engineering was kind of, he sat with us every week and he talked about our problems individually and he worked with us individually. It wasn't standing at the front of a lecture hall and that. And I think I, 
in hindsight, I probably learned an awful lot about how to work with with students from listening to him. I didn't learn enough engineering, but I learned a lot about <laughs> how to work with students. I thought it was interesting that the very first one you mentioned was a coach, because that reminds me very much of the similarity it has with your current role, which is putting in place a team at Beausoleil, not just with the um, faculty, but with students as well, that can have a, a winning, if you want to call that, or a positive outcome at the end of the day, at the end of the school year. Yeah, I guess, so. I mean, okay, the word team gets overused, but the idea with a team is that it's better for having everybody there than, you know, the people would be individually. And I think a really good school, and obviously I, you know, I think Beausoleil is a fantastic school, but in, in a really good, good school, you are just lifted up by the people around you, you know, all, all the way through the day. And the idea, it is all about a team. Absolutely. Stuart, you just mentioned you studied engineering. How did you end up in education? Yeah, it's a good question. I think it's probably one all teachers consider at one time or another. Um, I think I loved school. I loved school when I was there. Um, I loved university. I I was really, I still am really interested in computers, um, computer science, engineering. So I studied engineering. I worked for a, a big um, British industrial company at the time when Britain still had a huge industrial base. Uh, I worked in their research labs. It was really interesting. And this is the crazy thing. It was really interesting. And I love the technology and I love the engineering. And I love the electronics, but it didn't have any people. You just spent the whole day with a circuit. Great in some ways. But I, I think I just finally realized when I actually got started on that and was looking and thinking, okay, how's life going to play out from here? That I just wanted to do something that had more direct impact with people. So I I kind of went back, trained as a teacher, and then I ended up in the kind of school, started out in the kind of school, which really I've never changed, where you decide that education is something, is just doing so many different things with people. So the opportunity not just to teach, I was a physics teacher and a computer science teacher, but also to, to coach sports at different times. I used to coach um, uh, rugby, soccer, hockey, cricket, all sorts of things with, with kids working in boarding houses. So fundamentally people. And I think that's the main reason everybody goes to school, really. They only think it's about learning. It's really about people. Absolutely. Stuart, given the background you just mentioned as a teacher and as a coach, how would you describe your leadership style? It's a great interview question, that, isn't it? I, I, I keep doing this interview practice with kids and things, and actually my normal advice to them is don't answer the question. Whatever question you get asked, you, you get asked. The rule is you don't have to answer the question. Just talk about something. I. I don't know. Does anyone ever describe their leadership style as autocratic or something that textbooks say? I, situational. If you want me to give a single word, situational, because actually every leadership situation is different. So honestly, just deal with deal with what's in front of you in a sensible way. I think the thing I tend to talk to people about, when I'm, certainly when I'm talking to students here and sometimes the staff about leadership, um, there's a quote from the Emperor Napoleon that always sticks in my mind. It's the one about a leader being a dealer in hope. And I think the um, the one thing you've got to be in all um, situations is is the person who's confident and projecting a sense that everything's going to be fine. You know, pick your scenario. Homesick students, somebody's unhappy about something, something's gone wrong, somebody's worried about their French uh, French course is too hard or this exam's gone wrong or that their parents are 6,000 miles away or whatever it is. Always, always dealer in hope. I like that. And we often hear from very successful athletes and people in general 
the tremendous value of having someone at some point in their life who instilled hope in them. So I think that goes hand in hand with what you were just saying. Stuart, what's something most of us don't know about Beausoleil? It's awesome. Can I say that? Yes, Um, of course you can. It's awesome. What would you say is what you're most proud of about Beausoleil? Of all the work that you do throughout the entire year, what sticks out in your mind? Oh, people. I, and, and therefore everything spins off that. But a sense of community and the fact that when people come and say, um, come come to Beausoleil or, or they, they talk about graduate, they talk at graduation. We meet parents at graduation. It's a really great day. The sun's shining, always does, clues in the name, Beausoleil. And, um, uh, and we have a great day for graduation. What I want to hear from the parents is, you know, that they love the school because of the sense of community and what they're um, what the children got out of it so so that but there's loads of great stuff and honestly way way too much to talk about on a um, on a day like today so come and see us sure uh, Stuart Bussolet has been around for over a hundred years now as a headmaster how do you innovate without compromising tradition oh I think okay I'm going to go back to the leadership question and say I, I, I want to change the question because I I'm sure it would compromise tradition if we didn't keep innovating. I can't believe that. Well, I, I know. Fortunately, I'm still very much in touch with um, Jerome de Meyer, whose family founded Beausoleil. And he and I talk a lot about Beausoleil. And anyone who's ever met Jerome will know he really doesn't do tradition in that sense. He's, he's, he's the biggest innovator I know. So I think Beausoleil was started with a sense of innovation. So I think we just keep going. I think you just try to do better each year. Take the stuff that works, build on it, pick some new things. And I think you do that by by giving people license to to try things and not worry about failure. It's actually exactly the same thing you do with students. After all, what stops you from doing things is the sense that, oh, I might make a mistake, I might get something wrong and I might be in trouble. So let's get rid of that in the classroom with the staff and everything else. You want people who are prepared to... Uh, to try things, see what happens. Like it's Tom Peters, management theorist, who says something about, you know, fail gloriously. Yeah. It's, 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 that, it's that kind of stuff. You want to just create a, a culture within the school, student staff and everyone else that, hey, we're going to try this and see what happens. That's brilliant. Uh, Stuart, technology has been evolving at an incredibly rapid pace. How do you prepare students for a future that is constantly changing and evolving? Well, as soon as you think that education, as soon as you get away from the basic idea that education is just teaching people maths and stuff um, and start thinking about what it's really about, then I think that question takes care of itself because um, education is about building the character, habits of mind, ways of thinking, resilience, flexibility. It's not about teaching people to conjugate this particular verb or Pythagoras' theorem or any of that stuff. Oh, we do all that stuff, but that's just a, that's a means to an end. So you come out knowing loads of stuff and being able to solve loads of maths equations and speak some French and um, you know paint a paint a watercolor of a tulip or whatever it is that you've been doing in class. But the real stuff you've been learning is just how to make your way in the world. It's about it's about people. It's about attitudes. It's about innovation. And, and that's not as soft as I've made it sound there, because I think you can teach, you, you can genuinely teach those ideas. You know, you, you can help people find frameworks for, you know, innovation, for example, 
I was an engineer, we like this stuff. Innovation is not just, hey, here's a blank piece of paper, do something. It's about talking to people about, you know, what frameworks you can use to, to take your thinking in particular directions to develop creativity in this context and so on. So there's a sort of paradox that by giving people things that come from the present, ideas, strategies, um, ways of thinking, ways of writing, you can prepare them to do something that you, you, know, you don't know what it's going to be yet. Exactly. And that's exactly. Yeah, it's teaching the skills that will be necessary regardless of what the technology is, because six months from now, it will already be different again. Yeah, and the other thing is, so the, the skills word is interesting because education's been going through these phases. You know, back when I was at school in the Stone Age, it was um, um, it was all facts. You know, we just learned stuff. The um, and and then you know we went through the 80s and 90s when I was teaching, and it was all about skills. And then somebody said, "Hey, why don't we put the two together and teach knowledge and skills?" So we had a little period of that. And one of the things that's changed over the last um, 10, 15 years, I suppose, is that we've started to think more about the various, you know, the, the, the way that thinking works, the way the brain works. So some, you know, cognitive science, neuroscience coming into education. And a, a lot of modern education is, is, is framed with metacognition. You know, the idea that instead of just telling students what to do and hoping they do it and learn it, now what we're doing is getting them to think actively about why they're doing things, what they're doing, what the thought processes are, getting them to understand their own ways of thinking. So I do think that the right combination of knowledge, skills, but increasingly metacognition is going to be the key to the future. Absolutely. Stuart, what does the future of education look like? Do you envision traditional classrooms to still exist in the future? Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, I think if you roll back the clock to, um, to before, uh, I, I won't use the word um, nowadays, but, but before that terrible Prior thing that to happened 2020. in the last few years, exactly, then everyone, everyone was thinking, oh, it's all going to be people in their own rooms, on screens, online learning is the future, schools are going to be gone, who needs them? And I think um, a couple of years of that told everybody that who hadn't realized it already that schools are not really about computer screens and technology and so on. Schools are about bringing people together and understanding how to live in a world that's full of people. So traditional classrooms, no, but we don't have traditional classrooms now. I mean, why do you want a classroom that's, um, that's set up with a whole row of desks and a blackboard at the front and a teacher standing at the front? Please, let's get rid of that anyway. Um, teaching is about collaboration spaces. So traditional classrooms, no. Sitting in your bedroom on your computer or sitting with whatever those new Apple VR glasses are going to be, no. Somewhere real education is about sitting down, doing things with people, learning from other people in collaboration spaces. I like that. Because they say, uh, the, the research says, as I understand it, um, when you look at what it is that, where, where do teenagers learn? What, what, who, from whom do they learn? So parents, sadly not. I have three kids of my own, I can tell you that's true. Um, we don't learn so much from our parents. We don't learn so much from our teachers. Um, we learn the most from the people around us, from, from our peers. Therefore, one of the things that school has got to do, it's going to be really successful, is not just rely on teachers to stand there and deliver knowledge, because that's pretty limited, but to really empower peer-to-peer -peer learning. And the job of a teacher is to create a situation in a collaboration space where people learn from each other. So interesting you mentioned that because, uh, as you know, I studied in Switzerland as well, and someone recently asked me if I had a mentor or 
uh, someone who impacted me along my journey. And my answer was that my inspiration were my peers when I was in school. When I arrived as a student, I was bilingual. I was the only bilingual student in my class. Everyone spoke four or five languages. They were my inspiration to be better. So my peers, my classmates, the people who were studying with me in that room were the people who ultimately inspired me the most. Yeah. And, and however much as parents and teachers, we'd love to believe it's all us. You know, one of the things you've really got to get over as a teacher is ego. It's not about you. Uh, it's, a, it's about creating the conditions in which people flourish. Although I have to say, I did think when you said you were educated in Switzerland and your hero, I assumed you were going to say Piaget because that's, that's, you know, that's the great Swiss educator. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it, it ended up being my peers. Uh, Stuart, in your opinion, what's the best problem to be solving in 2023? Uh, I guess the same problem it's same problem as it was in 2022 and will be in 2024, which is the one that's in front of you. I mean, the, the thing about working with young people is it's not very predictable. Uh, that's the great joy of working in schools. You get something different happening every day. And the, in, in particular, okay, I said I've been kicking around boarding schools for a long, long time. But the great joy of boarding schools is you're not just dealing with a you know, with, with one domain, just the classroom or whatever, you're dealing with people's lives. You're, you're helping, supporting them through whatever it is that's in front of them, big or small, and big or small in real terms and big or small in how it appears to them. So always the best problem and the most important problem for every single adult in a school is whatever problem is getting in the way of that young person moving forward. Because the um, I, we, we talk a lot here about Maslow. Now, okay, uh, modern psychologists can argue about whether Maslow is, you know, completely valid. They can present refinements to his hierarchy of needs and so on. But the basic message remains absolutely true in school that you do have this fundamental hierarchy of things you need in order to be able to to thrive. Starting with all the obvious but really important stuff, you know, security, food, safety, warmth, social, friends people to talk to around you, people you feel good, comfortable with. There, we're back to your peers in Switzerland again. And then um, and after that, when you've got all of that under control, then you can concentrate maybe on TOK or maths or chemistry or whatever it is. There's no point in me trying to teach you how to solve this particular differential equation if actually what you're thinking about is the fact that you don't want to go to lunch because you haven't got anyone to go to lunch with. So... The problems problems for exist big and small at every level, and definitely the job of a school and everybody in it is to solve whatever the problem in front of them is. Sure. And you just mentioned, you know, at school you're dealing with lives. What do you consider success to mean in your role? Yeah, I, for any, it's back to the it's back to the thing about ego again, isn't it? The um, um it's not my success, fairly obviously. It's you work with young people, success is successful young people. So at least the question becomes, okay, what is successful for a young person coming through school? And, uh, and again, it's it's different. It's so different for every person. Because if we were a normal school um, and kids turned up and did lessons and went home again, then I guess I, I could try defining success in terms of, I don't know, 
how much maths they learnt or exam grades or, or universities they went to or whatever. And firstly, those things are important, uh, but they're not even a really good measure in any school. And there are at best a very, very partial measure here. I mean, success is fundamentally about preparing somebody to embrace the world in every possible form. So that's it, it, its character, its uh, relationships with peers, it's a sense of purpose for the future. After all, you're not going to be very successful in life, are you? If you've got no idea what you want to do, you're not inspired by anything, you're not motivated by anything. So there's a huge motivation layer. Then there's equipping people or helping people equip themselves and all the things they need for the future. So I don't think you can tell whether you're successful or not for about another 50 years after any given student has gone through. So we just keep going, I guess. It's the old, there's, there's a saying, isn't there? It's the one about uh, if you want to, uh, if you plan for a year, plant rice. You plan for 10 years, plant trees. And if you plan for 100 years, educate children. So I don't know, ask me in 100 years. <laughs> that, 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 that sounds like the most uh, accurate and realistic answer. Uh, Stuart, I very much appreciated you taking the time to chat with us a little bit this morning. Thank you. Thank you. I've, I, the great thing is I love talking about education. So when you come back, when, when, when we get to do another round, we'll do the extended version. That'll be fun. Sure. I'm looking forward to doing that. Before we let you go, any final message or advice for parents or students who are considering joining Beausoleil? Uh, well, come and see us, obviously, uh, because you cannot tell anything about a school from... Uh, no, that's not true. You can tell something about a school. You can kind of start to think about the kinds of things that you think are important in education uh, by talking to people like you, Carmen, of course. And that's a really important part of it. People who know the school and can talk about it. But at some point, you've got to come and see it because um, because you've got to come and see it working. And during term, please, because um, schools are schools because of the people. And if you come in the holidays, I can show you around the buildings, but that's not really the school. Like You need to see the people. But can I... Can I answer just half that question instead? Of course. Um, just, so forget about the Beausoleil part, just any final message or advice for parents, uh, which is trust and listen to your children. And a lot, of, a lot of what we do is end up helping students to find their own voice and working with parents and students to make sure that we're all aligned about the direction that somebody wants to go in. Because real success one of my lessons over the last 30 something years in education is that real success comes when it comes from the heart from the student so i think parents spending time and schools spending time listening to students helping them find the things that motivate them and that they're passionate about that's where the lasting success comes from very very true Stuart, if any of our listeners wish to continue this conversation can they find you on linkedin or shoot you an email uh, they certainly shoot me an email. I'm old-fashioned enough to do email. I, I had a CompuServe account back in the day, although I don't have it anymore. The, um, so they can shoot me an email. I, don't, I think I am on LinkedIn, but I don't really do social media, Carla. It's one of, my, one of the many things that I spend my time telling students to do less of, so I feel I should, I, I should honor that. Lead by example. Yeah, exactly. But please, email me, um, phone us. Come and talk to us. Come and visit any of that stuff. Very happy to talk about Beausoleil, but actually we'll chat about education, 
I've been involved with school, with boarding schools in the in the UK, in the US, in Switzerland. I'm very happy to talk about boarding and the differences of all of that with anybody. Sounds great. If anyone else has any other questions about anything else they heard on the podcast today, feel free to contact me at carla at swisslearning.com. Thanks for listening and until next time. Bye.